Welcome to the Kings Insider Podcast on NBC Sports California, brought to you by Wendy's. I am James Ham. It has been a while since we've podcast. Uh, a couple of reasons for that. Number one, I've been in Toronto covering the NBA Finals, in Portland covering the Western Conference Finals. I've been all over the map, uh, and uh, that has taken up a lot of time. But also, the Sacramento Kings don't really have a lot of draft picks. Um, they, well, they've got a lot of draft picks, but they're all in the second round. Uh, so we haven't seen a lot of top-end prospects coming through. Um, so it's tough to bring in experts to talk second round. Uh, but that's what we're going to do today. We're going to bring in Cole Zwicker. Uh, he does excellent work at the Stepien and also the Game Theory Podcast. If you're not reading and listening to those things, you should be. Uh, absolute genius when it comes to draft. Cole, how are you? Doing well, man. It's uh, the closing stint here right before Thursday's draft, obviously. So excited to partake in that. It's been about nine months watching these guys. So excited for hopefully some good fits in the class that has frankly just been kind of disappointing, especially the freshman class. Are you uh, are you excited to start another nine months with a new class? <laughs> I am. No, I, I need a fresh start. I, I'm going to take a couple days off and I'll probably start watching the next class uh, early July. You know, I ask this question of all of my draft experts every year, and we've had, you know, just about everyone under the sun come into uh, the Kings Insider podcast. Um, but is this a, a three-man draft? Is this a four-man draft? Uh, how many, what is the top end of this draft? How deep is it? Because it keep, it seems like we're having like a last-minute change here, and, and Garland is moving up in to that top section. Um, and I just don't know. I, I mean, there's such a small sample size here. Yeah, I think it's a one-man draft. I think it's Zion Williamson. It's unfair to group him in with John Morant, uh, R.J. Barrett, Jarrett Culver, Brandon Clark, those kinds of players. I, I think he's the difference maker. I like John Morant at number two. Um, I don't think he's like this shoe-in, surefire, all-star kind of player. I think there's a lot of variance. He's probably the hardest player I've evaluated, but just historically – comparatively to like last class, for example, I think there's a tier two prospect in this class. Whereas last class, like it was Jaron Jackson for me, Trey young. We went over this on the podcast last yeah. year, but uh, you know, Marvin Bagley, he would have been the number two pick in this class. Like everybody down that list, it was a much deeper class in that top echelon talent um, tier. Of course, Zion compensates a lot because he's arguably the best prospect since LeBron. So it's really strong because of him just because of the star power, but it, it gets, a, a little bit narrower as you work your way down. I, I don't really know about a lot of these guys as far as we're dealing probably more with starters than we are stars. Yeah, that's what it seems like. Rotational players. Um, and, you know, hopefully some of these guys can step up and be something better than that. Or maybe not because I do cover the Sacramento Kings uh, and the Kings aren't drafting in the top 10 for the first time. Well, the last time they weren't in the lottery, uh, I think was 2006. Uh, that's the la the next season they drafted Spencer Hawes and Jason Thompson, uh, and then it really snowballs from there. Um, so it's been a long time, and uh, adjusting to that for me personally has been really strange to not have full draft coverage. 
I I look at your top five or your prospect rankings, and the guy who sticks out to me uh, when I when I did my mock yesterday, uh, my latest mock, I had um, Brandon Clark going number nine. And I know a lot of people are like, wait a sec, but you've got Brandon Clark as one of your top prospects. Why is it that you like Brandon Clark so much? I think I look at this class and I look at where's the elite skill level. I don't think we have it. We have a lot of question mark shooters, RJ Barrett, Jarrett Culver, even John Morant with his, when his feet aren't set is his question mark there. And I don't know if we have the high skill guys like we did in the last class. What Brandon Clark brings is just elite level functional athleticism. He's an historically good athlete and it applies to the floor as well. I mean, at the combine, he was like 90th percentile in both and all of lateral agility, max vert and standing vert compared to everybody in the history of the combine in the last 20 years of data. And he's like the only six, eight guy to do that outside of Joel ball and boy, who was like crazy athlete. He just didn't have the functional skill level. So I think that you look at Clark and you think, yeah, this is six, eight guy with a six, eight wingspan. Um, he's, you're going to be 23 in his first game in the regular season this year. So he's older prospect, but I think older guys improve at different rates. And this is someone who took, you know, a considerable leap between his play at San Jose state, his first two years um, took uh, obviously the year off with Gonzaga and then came back and re overhauled his shot. He's got incredible touch. He, just his coordination as an athlete is just crazy high level. His straight line drives. Uh, I believe in the touch as far as translating eventually to NBA three off the catch. I think that's, kind of an inefficiency in the class. You look at guys who have that baseline touch. It's easier to develop a catch and shoot three than it is to understand how to play the game of basketball. And his defense is just at a different level as far as team defense, help defense, timing on rim protection, all of that. I, I just think that you're going to look at a guy and say six, eight, where do I plug this guy position wise? And I think as the NBA becomes a little bit more amorphous, as far as position goes, you just find a role for him because he's really good at basketball. Yeah. That's what it seems like to me as well. Uh, I just like his skill set. Um, I think there is a little concern like is he Tyus Thomas uh, who just never quite figures it out uh, or is he you know sort of a, a different version of not quite as offensive version of Aaron Gordon type uh, that's what he looks like to me just as far as the freakish athleticism uh, he doesn't have the length of some of these guys but uh, he certainly plays with a motor and he's an intriguing prospect uh, in my book I, I wish the Kings had an extra way to get up into the top 10 and draft a guy like that just because I think um, a little bit, you know, uh, like Bridges last year, Miles Bridges last year, where you look at him and you think, hmm, I think I would like to see that guy play for the team that I cover. Uh, you know, they play hard, they play out of control sometimes, but, uh, but they do a lot of cool things that uh, can get a, a crowd excited. Um, now, outside of that, um, Cole, the Sacramento Kings, of course, they've got three second-round picks here. Um, and for people who don't know this, the Kings also have four second-round picks next year, and they have three second-round picks a year after that. So this uh, this crazy march of draft prospects through Sacramento is going to continue. They hit 101 this season. What can you gauge out of watching 101 prospects? I mean, it flatlines a lot more than you'd think after a certain stage in the draft. People will have some guys will rank in tiers and they'll have like 11 tiers in the draft. And it just for me, it gets much more flat after usually like pick 20 or something. It, it 
there's not a huge amount of difference that you can really predict as far as that quality goes. So, I mean, 101 guys, a lot of those are going to be pretty similar. Like I definitely have leans, but I can't sit here and tell you that I'm definitively sure which ones, which of those guys stand out. It's much more close to um, a centralized similar player. So you get more variance in the top of the draft between the stars and then you, you drop off and stuff like that. And in the, in the latter parts in the second round, uh, it's more like you have some leans based on maybe positional need and like optimizing a player in your scheme. Okay. So if we're looking at that, uh, I mean, I, I think the Kings can go a lot of different ways. And um, first of all, I, I think they will look at a point guard. They brought in a lot of point guards during the draft process uh, to compete for, with Frank Mason uh, to see if they can find something different at that position. Um, they could look at a big man. Uh, they could look at a draft and stash. And, and let's start there. Is there anyone that you look at in this in this second half of the draft? Uh, because I, I agree with you. I think this draft might even be you get to like number 16, 17, and everyone else is kind of in the same mix. Um, who, who do you like as a draft and stash if the Kings were going to keep all three picks? As far as an international that you keep overseas or just uh, yes. generally? No, no. Uh, well, I mean, I guess you could go either way there because of the uh, the G League, the development of the G League, and you can do a, a two-way contract or you can stash a guy at the G League level. But I would more think uh, someone that you don't eat a roster spot with. Sure. I think there's two guys that stand out for me. Yovel Zusman, um, really interesting kind of combo guard but with wing size, defensive-oriented, played for Israel. Um you know, a little bit of dribble pass shoot. He's not quite the shooter as far as established off the catch, but incredibly smart player. Um, I'm not sure about these guys as far as will they actually stay overseas. So that's going to be obviously part of the negotiation and part of drafting them is going to be that understanding. But I like his defensive tenacity on the ball. Not a crazy athlete, but I think it's more functional. So I, he's kind of a secondary ball handler to me. I like him in that role. And another guy is Davidis Servitas, a little bit different than Zeusman. Better size, like 6'9", 6'10", can shoot off motion at a high level. Like he can come off a down screen quick set he's a really crafty passer as well but there's some pretty sizable athletic limitations as far as his agility his general top end speed but good positional size and he can really shoot the ball so i think you're getting an nba you're getting an nba skill there okay so that's what we're kind of looking for when we're drafting the second round right you're looking for a nba school uh, a skill uh something that you can pull out and say look okay i think that translates and um are there if you're looking at this this point guard class, I mean, the Kings have brought in uh, Bone. They brought in Jalen Hands the, uh, yesterday. Uh, they brought in Kyle Guy. Um, what is it that you see from this uh, this point guard group or this even combo guard group that maybe stands out, guys that you think, hey, you know what, maybe there is something there? Yeah, I actually think it's kind of a deeper class in that respect. There's some interesting guys. Shamori Pons is going to be probably the most notable name out of St. John's. Not great size, about six foot, but very crafty passer, crafty dribbler. He sets his guys up, can play pick and roll basketball really well. Um, the pull-up is... It's workable. Um, he gets a little overwhelmed by athleticism at his size, but really cerebral player. He, he's really crafty, really, really smart. So I like him as a second round guy. There's two other guys that stand out to me. Justin Robinson is a little bit more of your traditional 
pure point guard, people will call it, as far as distributing, like very, very good on skip pass reads, more of a catch and shoot guy than a dynamic pull up shooter. He's got a better frame than Shimori. He's a little bit bigger, so that helps defensively, but he's not like this dynamic creator. He's more of just a really cerebral player that can run your offense. So I like him in the regular season to like man like a maybe a 12 minute stint um, consistently. And then lastly, is a underrated guy for me is Justin Wright Foreman out of Hofstra. One of the best pull-up shooters we've honestly seen from a lead guard over the past like decade. He's he's got incredible numbers every year. Uh, great touch. He has like a higher release point, so he can shoot deep threes too. So that's really valuable. I was really impressed with his ball handling, his deception there as far as dribble moves, and then his passing actually really stood out. His role was like he had to score. He's one of the highest scoring players in the country this past season, so he's very productive. Um, and it's a bad conference, so it's not like he's playing against high-level athletes. I watched him against North Carolina State and the NIT. He held his own. He had a good game. I think that he's worth a look more in the latter half of the second. But as a shot-making guard who can get buckets and he has some passing feel, I think that is a, a serviceable pick in, in that range. And I think he could be maybe like his ceiling is more like a third guard, but maybe a fifth guard on your team. You know, it's funny you bring up pawns, and the Kings had 17 uh, draft workouts six players per workout. The only player to back out of a workout that, well, maybe there were two players, but the one that backed out of the last workout was Ponce, uh, which gave Kyle Guy a, a second look with the Sacramento Kings, which, you know, to be honest with you, second looks in the built in the same building actually help a player. It seems like uh, he got fire from the perimeter and, and just absolutely lit it up. It, you know, I uh, Jalen Hands was sitting there like, man, Kyle, like, seriously, <laughs> do you miss... Uh, and, and so I think it's interesting. Um, we're seeing a lot of guys come out early in this draft. And, uh, that was the one surprise to me that when we're sifting through these prospects and they're all coming in to, to really look at second round, uh, you know, for the Kings at least. Um, but why so many underclassmen, uh, that didn't go back and keep working on their game, knowing that, their second round and maybe not even going to be drafted. It seems a little strange to me, but maybe that's because the Kings just brought in so many kids this season. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. I think some of the situations in college were poor this year, like Jalen Hands, you mentioned him. UCLA was a nightmare. Of course, they had the coaching change after the season, but during the season, um, just a very off-kilter build. And I, I understand them getting out of there. Chris Wilkes left as well. Moses Brown came out from U UCLA. He's not ready at all as a center prospect. He probably doesn't even get drafted. So we see a little bit more of that gravitational pull. Jalen Horde out of Wake Forest has a bigger pedigree. Like he came in as like a top 20 guy, I think, on ESPN's recruiting rankings. And, you know, based on his play at Wake Forest as more of a combo forward type, I don't think he would have even been in many people's top 80 or top 90. So that's his play this year. I, I think you are seeing a little bit of an effect of let's just go through the process. And if we don't get, you know, an NBA team, we can play in the G League. Maybe we can go overseas and just get paid. That's an interesting way to look at things, um, especially with uh, we're looking at a couple of couple of years away from the age limit going away. And then the draft process is really going to be flooded with prospects. And that's going to be an interesting uh, sort of turn of events. What do you think of that time? Is that going to be, it's not next year's draft. Is it the 2021 draft or is it the two, uh, 2022 draft that we're expecting high school players to come in and, and be part of the draft process? Yeah, 2022 is the class. 
Okay. Yeah, the the one year that the Kings only have one second round draft pick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I expect the Kings to uh, to be active here. Um, does does the second round pick still have value like it has in the last couple of drafts? Because the last couple of drafts we've been looking at, you know, some of these second round picks going for three million or more. Um, do they have value this year, or do you think it's kind of like, eh, it's not a great draft? Actually, I think there is some value. I, I would rather be like relative to other drafts, I would rather be in the second round this year than I would at like pick seven or eight in this class, just from a relative value standpoint. So I, I like guys like Cody Martin out of Nevada. I think he's really underrated someone who really played well at the combine. I don't think I've ever risen so much on a player based on their combine five on five play compared to their situation in college, but tremendously smart player, you know, six, seven kind of do it all wing secondary ball handler dribble pass. We think he's, going to be able to shoot maybe off the catch i I don't know how he's done in workouts like that's kind of the thing with him and that's why he's not more highly discussed uh but makes really good decisions and i i love that that quick decision making in a secondary stance i think you see the value of that in high leverage situations like in the playoffs and his defense was much better than i anticipated he's gotten a lot stronger he's an older prospect but i think those are the kind of inefficiencies you look for someone who can just fill a role in a rotation and i think he can do that yeah he came through sacramento He's one of the 101. Um, <laughs> yeah, <it's, laughs> I made the joke. It's like almost like they're trying to make a, a prospect coat, you know, 101 prospects. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So uh, I, I don't want to keep you all day, but uh, the Kings, you know, they're going to look at uh, combo forwards. They're going to look at maybe a big man. Um, uh, you know, I know Taco Fall came through. Actually, this is the first year I think that we've had two seven foot four, seven foot five, seven foot six guys come through, uh, which is absolutely stunning. Um, not only Taco, but uh, the kid from Florida, um, which is I'm drawing a blank on his name, but just absolutely tremendously huge human beings. Um, is there is there maybe a couple of bigs, a couple of combo forwards that stand out to you? Like you, you mentioned Cody Martin. Uh, again, uh, I, he did come through Sacramento and I, I think he might be one of those guys that you circle, um, a guy like Jonte Porter that looks like he might fall to the second round because of a second ACL tear in two, uh, in what, six months. Um, but guys that maybe stand out that, Hey, maybe they're worth a flyer on. Yeah, I think there's two injury guys in this class. Uh, Jonte, like you mentioned, if he would have played in this class relative to the other freshman as a sophomore, he is just way smarter than these guys as far as thinking in the game quickly, incredibly skilled, um, can shoot above the break threes, can put the ball on the floor, make high-level decisions, very good team defender. It's just, it almost seems like with their family history, it's almost hereditary as far as injury goes. There's been some articles on this, and you see Michael Porter's setbacks. So there's going to be a lot of consternation about his medicals. I think from what I've heard, he's going to go in the 40s. That seems to be the range. So that puts him in the Kings territory. I think the upside is easily worth the shot there. Like, I think he has definite rotation player, like third big kind of Kelly Olynyk uh, type upside, which is awesome in, in the 40s. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe some low end starter potential. Chumo Kiki is a combo forward out of Auburn. He's a guy who probably would have gone top 25 without the, the, the ACL injury in the tournament, of course. Uh, a guy who really came onto the scene. I've been a fan for a while. I think his athleticism is a little bit overrated as far as lateral agility, but at six foot eight with like a seven one wingspan, incredibly high te- high level team defender. One of the best team defenders in the class. Really utilizes his length. More of a four and like an off ball defender, but I think 
he can be like a Covington-esque off-ball defender. He's not as athletic. He's not good moving in space, but he can shoot the ball off the catch a little bit, can pass on the move. And I think those two guys are like the talents in this range as far as likely to fall just because of injuries. For bigs, I think there's two guys that could reasonably be here. Like Cabin Gelly from Florida State's not going to be here anymore. Um, I think Bruno Fernando could be here, and he's actually pretty talented. He's improved a lot in his second year at Maryland, someone who was never a great passer in his first year, but really improved there, can pass out of the post, can pass on short rolls, has good touch. I think his defense is okay. It's improving. It's not at the level where you think it's going to be a plus necessarily at the next level. The issue with him is for bigs, how much do you invest in them in the modern game if they're not going to be at least average? And I think he's probably like ideally a third big. But in this range, I think he can be a good third big. Um, so we'll kind of see how that plays out. Daniel Gafford is similar. Someone who, if he came out of the draft last year when he had more momentum, he would have gotten top 20. I have no idea why he returned to school. It was a really, I mean, I, I support whatever decision athletes make, but I want them to make the best decision for them. And the only reason he should have returned if he if he could have shown that he could shoot threes. And he didn't take, I don't think, a single three this year. So he's more of a pick-and-dive guy, um, high motor. He's going to run the floor as a rim runner, tested really well at the combine. But he's basically right now a rim runner. He played a lot out of the post his second year. He's not that good out of the post. But for the Kings who like to get up and down, I think Daniel Gafford is kind of like a lob-catching rim runner, might have some appeal. I'm, I don't love his knee bend on defense. He doesn't play in space that well, but can play a little bit as far as like almost at the level of the screen, cover some ground, block some shots. Uh, just not a lot of upside with these guys. Yeah, Fernando is a, is a huge man. And I mean, he, he has a physique that you, you look for, but whether he has the game is a whole nother question. And you're right with Gafford. Um, I think last year I had him in, you know, the 20 to 25 range all the way through. And then he withdraws and you're like, oh, all right. Um, but uh, sort of a, a long, lean, high motor guy that, you know, is intriguing. And, you know, it's funny, the two guys that you pull out there um, as far as as far as bigs. Uh, the Kings did not have through, <laughs> uh, but that's, go ahead. No, I just said that's interesting. I'm I'm surprised oh. they didn't because I really do think they could fall to like the 40th pick or whatnot. Like there are options. Like Cabin Gelly, I can understand he's going to go top 25 now. Yeah, but I think it's it's one of those things where um, uh, you know their agents are saying, look, you're not dropping that far, and so we're not yeah. going to go talk to the Kings even if they have three picks. We're not going to go talk to them. And I, I mean, they're interesting prospects and. With the ability to use a two-way to sign your second-round picks as well, you can lock them up for two years, hold their rights, uh, bounce them back and forth between the teams. The, the Sacramento Kings moved their G League affiliate to Stockton, which is only 40 minutes away from downtown Sacramento. Uh, they use the the Kings' old practice facility, so it's really a good setup to have your hands on these guys and really, you know, sort of work. Uh, work them into your system and have a, a close look at them as you're developing them. Um, but uh, I, I guess we'll finish with this. Um, you're looking at next year's draft. Um, you know, the Kings, as of right now, will have a first round pick. Uh, of course, you are the Stepien, uh, So they <laughs> they can't trade their pick now, but they can trade their pick after, uh, after the draft on Thursday. Um, but, uh, if you're looking at next year's draft, are there a couple of prospects, uh, that you think that the Kings should start keeping an eye out for the Kings fans might want to say, Hey, who is it that's coming next year? Because the Kings will have upwards of five picks. It seems like. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think next class is going to be known for its guard depth. 
So, of course, the Kings already have Fox. They have Heald. So it's probably not going to be ideal for them unless they just take the best talent on the board. That could be a third guard. But you see a lot of guys in the top of the draft. Anthony Edwards, Cole Anthony, Nico Mannion. All these guys are more combo guard, point guard types. And there could be upwards of like 10 to 15 guards taken in the, in the first round of next class. So that's something to look for. Of course, James Wiseman at the top of the class. Uh, that's more of the physical tools, shot blocking type. I don't know how well he could fit theoretically well with Bagley. We'll kind of see how his feel for the game is at the college level. Very much looking forward to that. I will say one guy to really keep an eye on for the Kings is Isaac Okoro. He's kind of underrated right now. Six, eight athletic wing. He played at the hoop summit. One of the highest IQ, just general players I've seen come out of high school in a while for his build, just having like really stocky build. I think he might actually be six, six and a half, but he's built, he's an incredible frame, um, really high level athlete, not like a outlier athlete, but very, very high level can really pass. He knows how to play defensively. So for the Kings, I think you look at that big wing kind of small forward spot that they've been trying to fill and get someone in there who can really you know, move the ball, is athletic and get up and down, really smart player. If the jump shot is there, I'm going to have him probably in the top, you know, five of the class. And right now he's not considered, he's not ranked that high. I think the last I checked for ESPN, he was like outside the top 30. So I, I would keep an eye on him as a guy who could potentially be a mover. You always have so much information. You know, the thing that stands <laughs> out when we talk is that you have so many buzzwords, and but you use them the right way with so many different types of prospects. You have so much knowledge which with each of these prospects. Even though I'm hitting you with second-round picks, you're just rolling with it and you're throwing out some crazy <laughs> stuff. Uh, so it's it's always great to talk to you. Uh, hey, what's next for you? I mean, you're going to take some time off, yes? Yeah, I'll probably take a couple days after the draft and get right back into it. Of course, we have Summer League, and I love watching Summer League. I'm not going to go this year, unfortunately, but uh, I, I don't think I'm missing out too much because a lot of prospects aren't going to play like Morant, those guys at the top. But uh, it's basketball now is like a year-round thing. It, you, you drop the draft, and then you move to Summer League, then you move to more FIBA events, and then you start getting into a little bit of AAU, so it never stops, man. Yeah, it does. It never stops. Uh, it, that is very, very true. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Always a pleasure. That is Coles Wicker from The Stepian and also from the Game Theory Podcast. Make sure to give him a follow, check out his stuff. Absolutely brilliant mind. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right. You've been listening to the Kings Insider Podcast brought to you by Wendy's. If you haven't already, please visit Apple Podcasts or Google Play to subscribe. And if you like our podcast, give us a rating and a review. We would really appreciate it. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at NBCS Authentic. We'll be back next week. Thanks for tuning in, Kings fans. We'll see you very soon.